Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Dane Sullivan, a Phoenix-based naturopathic medical student from Georgia who's pursuing his dream to become a gastroenterologist. Battling Crohn's disease himself since 2009, Dane is the hardest working future GI doctor you'll ever meet. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dane, and welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we know that every Crohn's and colitis story is different, so why don't you start by telling me your Crohn's story, your first flare-up and lead-up to your diagnosis? Sure. So um, I was diagnosed in 2009, uh, so it's been almost 10 years. Uh, I was finishing up freshman year of college at that point, um, about an hour and a half from where I grew up, and really what led to it is I, there's been no diagnosis in my family. So kind of as a background, nobody in my family history has uh, inflammatory bowel disease or anything like that. Um, but I do have a family history of people that had, you know, somewhat, uh, somewhat stomach issues. And I mm-hmm. think part of that's just growing up in the South. And I also have a family history of people that ate tons of greasy food. <laughs> but for, for what it's worth, um, I didn't have a family history of it. And so it wasn't on anybody's radar. And so I got used to just, you know, having stomach issues. I thought it was a way of life. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, problems for a few years. And eventually uh, I was actually working at an urgent care as kind of the part-time receptionist office manager. And I was working with a, a really good old school ER doc that was moving lighting down on the side. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, eventually the more I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I really think we should investigate this. So I was... I referred to a gastroenterologist by my PCP and, you know, I thought, okay, we're going to find out this is nothing, you know, they're going to give me some, you know, basically some pums or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so they did a colonoscopy because my symptoms were pretty severe at that point and colonoscopy, you know, came back and so there's no question, you know, you have really severe Crohn's disease. Um, And so... Was it debilitating your your life at that point? Were you able to function or were you um, just kind of fighting through, so to speak? Well, I, I guess both. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I mean, I was exhausted all the time. You know, I was running to the bathroom as soon as I ate anything. Um, but again, like that had kind of just become, I mean, it sounds bad, but that had just kind of become like my norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I thought like I have a bad stomach, you know, this is just life. Um, until it got really bad, you know, to the point that I was having bloody stools and, you know, constant diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I didn't know about any of this. I, you know, I never heard of the word Crohn's before I was diagnosed. So, um, you know, it was debilitating, but I think, I think you asked about the first flare up. Uh, when I got the colonoscopy that diagnosed me was in May of 2009 Mm -hmm. and I had signed up for a summer class. You know, I was an energetic college student that was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but I knew it was something to help care filled and, uh, I was excited because the first year I had taken some, you know, seemingly boring biology and chemistry courses, and I was going to get to take anatomy and physiology um, in the, like, summer semester. And I got the diagnosis, and they're like, hey, you know, we need to put you on Remicade and, you know, really get you going with treatment. And I knew, like, this needed to be treated. Mm-hmm. But I was afraid that by doing the infusions, I might miss out on this anatomy class. So I was like, can I just you know, stick it out for a month and we'll start it then? Like, yeah, sure. Hmm. Well, a few days before the final of that anatomy class, um, I seemingly collapsed oh, in my wow. apartment. My roommate, yeah, my roommate um, picked me up, shoved me in his Mustang and, you know, sped down the highway to meet my mom halfway. Wow. They immediately took me to the hospital. Um <clears throat> I was in there for a few weeks, um, you know, almost died. Uh, I think I got down to 106 pounds, wow. if I remember right. Wow. Yeah, I had a pick line and six IVs. 
Um, and it took me a couple months to get stable after that before I was actually able to start the rheumatoid infusions because I had three really large abdominal abscesses at that point. Um, and so that was kind of my first flare. And that was my like, you know, this needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, what a shocking way for Crohn's to, to come on. Just uh, yes. amazing. And it's interesting because I relate to so much of your story because I was in college when I first started getting stomach issues and they almost, they mine came on so slowly over time that I just started thinking that was just the way it was. And so it's funny how much you can normalize something that isn't normal. And, um, and, and so it's just, I think a lot of people fall into that trap until all of the sudden it's just something happens and you can't ignore it anymore. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. So tell me, I'm really interested because you're going to become a gastroenterologist, and this is exciting because you have Crohn's, so you're obviously very intimately related to this topic. But tell me about that path. What made you decide to go down this career choice? Because it sounded like in college you were sounded almost like a pre-med track. Tell me a little bit about what got you to this here. Yeah, so... Um, I knew I, I really wanted to be a physician um, before I went to college. And then when I got to college, I wasn't too sure about it. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if I had what it, I mean, the dream is still there, but I wasn't sure if I had what it took. I didn't know if I wanted to do all the training. Um, but then really, even after the diagnosis, once I got stable, really going into my junior and senior year, I, I knew like, this is what I want to do. You know, I'm going to have to take some classes. I knew I wasn't going to be able to go right after graduation, but I decided like I want to go to medical school for sure. And so, um, I was in a health science major, uh, and I was doing research. Um, I ended up publishing a paper on Crohn's, just a meta-analysis. And then I was also trying to get a little bit of clinical research experience through a, a surgeon that I had met through the urgent care company that I worked for. And I was rounding with uh, a neurosurgical team for a short stint and then was also doing some hands-on data stuff with uh, observing research in the neonatal unit. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get my feet wet and I was really interested in neurosurgery. I, I was a big follower of Ben Carson's books at the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you know, long before he entered the political realm, um, I was a big fan of his story. It was really inspiring. Um, I think I, I read his everything. book, When the Air Hits Your Brain. Was that, I think that was yeah, Ben Carson? Yeah. Um, I read, um, I read Gifted Hands about him and it was really inspiring. And, and I, I loved everything about the brain. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always been the type, you know, whatever the, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is like, that's what I aimed for. And neurosurgery is kind of, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of medicine to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was really going for that. I looked at a couple different schools. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get an MD PhD, you know, and that'll help with residency. And, you know, I may want to teach one day. So I was just going for it. Mm -hmm. And really I had gotten interested in, uh, naturopathic medicine. I, the MD that I was working with was, not board certified integrative, but he was someone that dabbled in it. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was kind of getting interested in it and I was, you know, reading some stuff with really good results. And, um, my uncle is a osteopathic physician in Alabama and I had shadowed him a, a number of times and he's a really good physician. I really respect him. But to me, I, I knew family practice was not something that I wanted to do. It just wasn't, it wasn't passionate to me, especially after I'd seen stuff in urgent care. And really all of that led to, I watched a documentary one day um, that featured a, a real deal bona fide MD, Dr. Kurt Tyson. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, I just shot him an email or a Facebook message and was like, Hey, you know, saw you on this documentary, like, thanks for what you do. And so he actually wrote me back. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, I ended up on a phone call with him and was like, Hey, you know, he, he ended up, he had gone the pre-med route and I believe had done an engineering degree before this biomedical engineering. Mm -hmm. And he ended up, um, because of his health experiences, ended up going to naturopathic school. And the more that I talked to him, I was like, you know, this sounds cool. Cause 
Um, I didn't want to just be an acupuncturist or herbalist or something. Like I still wanted to have a prescription pad and still be a doctor. And the more I thought about it, I was like, this is kind of, you know, they see stuff that other, you know, they don't just see routine stuff. They kind of do, you know, everything. And mm-hmm. I like that aspect of it. And I also like the aspect of, um, you know, the surgeons that I met, like they have a really cool job, but the lifestyle of a surgeon can kind of suck, you know, unless mm-hmm. you're really married to your job. Um, even if you're passionate about it, the hours that they pull are, are really brutal. Um, and I've met a number, I'm not saying all of them, but I have met several surgeons that, you know, said, I love this. I'm not sure if it's worth the toll that it's taken on my family or relationships or marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, and so just the culmination of stuff, the more that I looked around, the more I thought I'm kind of interested in this naturopathic stuff. So I ended up, you know, taking my prereqs and ended up starting out here in 2015 Wow. Tell me a little bit about the, if you can, talk about the difference because naturopathic medicine, I think, is becoming a much more common term than it ever has been. And really, naturopathic doctors excel in chronic chronic illnesses and preventative primary care. Can you describe for the people listening what some of the differences between an MD degree and neuropathic, uh, naturopathic? Because uh, from what sure. I from what I understand, a lot of the actual first couple years of school is actually the same. So tell me if that's correct or tell me a little bit about the differences there. Yeah, so you're absolutely correct. The first couple of years is really, really similar. Um, I mean, we, we take a little bit more on top of that because we're starting to get into like acupuncture courses and such, but, um, essentially everything else is exactly the same. We take anatomy, biochemistry, physiology, microbiology, pharmacology, all of that kind of stuff. We, um, you can look up and, and I can send you a link mm-hmm. of, you know, people that have done comparisons. And so the classroom hours are essentially the same. The curriculum is almost identical um, you know, we have MDs and PhDs that come in and teach the biomedical courses. And at the end of the first two years, we take uh, the Implex, which is basically the naturopathic version of the USMLE or the complex with DOs. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've spoken to a number of people that have taken, you know, the Implex and one of the other ones. And they say, you know, it's a different name, but it's all the same. It's a mm-hmm. very grueling biomedical exam. Um, so the first years are, are essentially the same, so to speak, the differences. So the first thing I'll I'll say is there's a big difference in a naturopath, Mm -hmm. um, and a naturopathic doctor or naturopathic physician. So a naturopath means that you are a holistic practitioner. You may or may not have done a, done an intern or externship or anything like that. Um, it means you do hold some sort of a certification, but that's basically as far as it goes. A naturopathic doctor or a naturopathic physician is someone that has gone to a fully accredited, legalized, um, very rigorously structured program, and they actually have taken a board exam and are legally licensed to practice clinical medicine. And so that's a, a very big distinction because you know, you'll hear like, oh, well, yeah, da, 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 it's a naturopath. And and I'm not discrediting them, mm-hmm. but they're not a clinical medical practitioner. Right. If someone's a naturopathic physician, that means they are on the same level of legalization and licensure as an MD or a DO. That's a that's a great explanation. Thank you for explaining that and really kind of put putting it out there because I think so many people are looking at the different naturopathic remedies and what a physician can bring. Tell me, because I'm kind of interested, what are some of the different tools once you become a naturopathic physician, what are some of the tools you'll have available for treating Crohn's and colitis? So we have, sure, go ahead. I'm just thinking that that are maybe different from what a traditional MD doctor would do. So one thing that I love about naturopathic medicine is we we don't do general surgery, but we are licensed to do minor surgery. Outside of that, we have all of the tools that uh, an MD does, you know, as far as prescriptions and labs and imaging, things like that. Um, but where I really think we shine is we do have a much bigger toolbox. So, for instance, in Arizona, 
naturopathic physicians are licensed to do uh, acupuncture, botanical medicine, so like herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also licensed to do physical manipulation, so a lot of the same things that a chiropractor would do. In addition to that, we're also licensed to practice nutritional therapy, which includes IV nutrients, um, as well as homeopathy. Uh, and I feel like I'm forgetting one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, to say the least, there's a much broader scope of what we can do. So I, I definitely think that's a, a big component. And, and the, the question that I think a lot of us toy with more is not, you know, can we help this patient? The question is, what what modality do I want to use? You know, do I mm-hmm. want to use several? Do I want to use one and really target it? And so, you know, for us, it's not can we treat this patient is how are we going to treat this patient? And that's I think so, that's where we shine. And that's so critical to have options, especially looking at it from the patient's side to be able to come to a naturopathic doctor and know that, all right, well, we've got a whole arsenal of things that we can try. There's, there's choices, there are mm-hmm. options. Because I think sometimes in the traditional medical world, I think sometimes we feel, I know I've felt at times just kind of stuck. It's like, take this drug or don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, what else is there? <laughs> so, Right. And even, even in the holistic realm, I think, you know, the, the reason, cause people say like, well, you know, but you know, are you okay with learning all of this? Like you're really going to use all this. And, and so the difference is, let's say that you go see a naturopathic physician and they may not do a lot of like physical manipulation. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's not their thing. Maybe they don't feel comfortable with it, whatever. But they still know the lingo. They still had that clinical experience. So, you know, whereas if you go to an acupuncturist and the acupuncturist may or may not be able to discuss your lab values with you. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to the, you know, your gastroenterologist the next week and you say, yeah, you know, I went to the acupuncturist and, you know, it kind of helped. And these are the points I did. The gastroenterologist probably isn't going to know. I mean, they'll know about acupuncture, but they're not going to be able to interpret, you know, the points or the meridians they use. But if you go to a naturopathic physician and they speak the lingo of the acupuncturist and they're familiar with the manipulations and they know the pharmacology and they're able to look at your lab work and the naturopaths, I think, are really becoming the kind of liaison because we're we're taught to speak the lingo of the MDs, but we're also taught the lingo of all of these other professions. That's so wonderful. It's it's needed. So you're in your third year, correct? That's right. And so what's the rest of the process look like for you? Is it a four-year? And then tell me about how that works. So it's a good question. Um, we take classes, which is a little bit different than the allopathic model. We take classes all the way up till graduation. Um, the third and fourth year, we take less classes and more clinic shifts. So uh, right now I'm in clinical rotations. And so, it, you know, it's it's a two-year process of seeing patients. And the closer you get to graduation, the more patients you see and the less classes you take. So that's what happens until graduation. Once you graduate, um, you have a few months to study. And then you take your second set of boards in place two. And then once you pass in place two, you're now a licensed physician in the state that you took those boards in. So for me, it would be most likely in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, going forward after that, the, another way that we differ from the allopathic community is we're not legally required to complete a residency. Uh, I think except in Utah, they're required to do one year, but most of the other states, the majority of the states, were not required to complete a residency in order to practice. Um, now, most people, you know, if they want to specialize mm-hmm. in something like, say, oncology, they're going to seek out to complete a residency in oncology, but we're not required to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for me, I would, I'm hoping to find one and apply to one that focuses more on GI cases. Mm-hmm. It's great information. That's it's really good. So let's let's shift back to you and your IBD now. And you seem to be okay. you seem to be in a really good spot managing your IBD from at least from the outside looking in. <laughs> it looks that way. So right. If that's true, what did it take for you to get to this point? Um, a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. To be honest, 
so for me, um, and this is one thing that, that I, I will throw out there, I, as a naturopathic physician, um, you know, we can debate what's the best way to go and whether or not, you know, you should vaccinate people or kids or, but the one thing that I think is a huge misconception is that, well, we're, we're naturopathic students, we're naturopathic doctors, we're against drugs and surgery, and that's a hundred percent myth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was put into remission through surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would I do it again, knowing what I know now? Maybe not. Do I think it was the right decision at the time? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, for me, you know, what it took was um, I had been on a plethora of stuff, um, probably every biologic that's on the market minus Incivio mm-hmm. at the time. And at one point I had gotten very close to remission. It's not, you know, it was never confirmed by a biopsy, but I felt great. I had gotten off of all the medications and things were rolling good. I got in a serious car accident. And immediately had a huge flare that didn't really go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I was put on Remicade again, tried a couple of different things. Nothing really worked. Um, and so at that point, you know, my gastroenterologist, this is this was early 2015. Mm-hmm. He said, listen, the good news is, you know, we did a colonoscopy. Good news is um, your disease is not really any worse than it is than it was in 2009. It looks the same. The bad news is it's still there. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, because of this trauma that you went through recently. So can I please cut it out now? And, you know, me at the time, you know, wanting to go into naturopathic medicine, like, Oh, you did surgery. And like, I remember I was like, what if I don't get into naturopathic school? Cause they found out I had surgery. Um, (laughs) You know, I, and yeah. I, they don't like that. Right. Was, you know, that was the insecurity of mine. But I was just like, you know, what if this cost me a career? Right. Um, but, you know, I underwent the surgery and was put in you know, spontaneous remission. That's fantastic. And then I was good until I got stressed out in medical school. Yeah. And, you know, I knew like I don't want to. It wasn't a pride thing. It was just like I, I you know, I came out here to do this. Like I know there's got to be a better way. And so I ended up you know, going the true naturopathic route. I, I've yet to be on a pharmaceutical since 2015, wow. knock on wood. Wow, yeah. Um, and so really what it took was, you know, I, I went to a really renowned homeopath mm-hmm. um, that's also a naturopathic physician at our school. And between working with him and then now the physician that I see now is also a naturopathic physician, um, you know, I was able to get back on my feet and, and really get to the place that I am now, but that took a lot of trial and error. You know, it, it took a lot of working through emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me about, about school, about being 2000 miles away from home, about, you know, insecurity about, you know, does this stuff actually work? Um, but I think really what it took is it took not giving up. Right. Um, it took not giving up and it took, Really, it sounds cliche, but it took really not caring about, you know, is this going to impact my schooling? Well, yeah, it may impact your schooling. Well, mm-hmm. but, you know, what if people call me, you know, a fraud because of this? Well, they may call you a fraud. They may call you a fraud anyway. Um, you know, and it took really working through that stuff. And so the the biggest thing that I try to tell people is, and probably not enough, is you can you can do naturopathic care you can do allopathic care you can do whatever um we know that Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease is a very physical thing you know mm-hmm. we can see it on biopsy that doesn't mean that the disease is 100 percent physical in nature and so for me you know honest to god over the last little while what has kept me on a track of getting better and better is yeah sure doing the right things naturopathically and following up with my physician and I, that mm-hmm. all is necessary but really dealing with the mental and emotional aspect is really what gave me the jump to where I am now. Yeah, I think finding ways to focus on ourselves, put things aside, and take the path that we need to can be so valuable. How did you Absolutely. how did you dis, how did you find ways to manage this stress because the stress in medical school is huge and it puts you in a, a flare. How do, how do you manage it now? Is it all naturopathic or holistic ways? What do you do to... Um, 
as far as like that versus like um, no just like just in general or... just in general how do you how do you manage stressful situations or know that because your life i'm assuming is rather stressful a <laughs> third year medical student um, yeah um, what so do you do part of it part of it is you get used to craziness in medical school mm-hmm. um you know part of it is you just um you know i still struggle with like test anxiety from time to time you know if it's a big exam or it's worth a lot of points or the class is tough um part of it you know is is one just learning to embrace the the reality that, like you're going to get stressed out like not every mm-hmm. day is going to go well things are going to come at you that aren't planned you're going to be throwing curveballs um and so part of it was having you know ironically it's one of those things like if somebody says don't think of the color purple Mm-hmm. The one thing you just thought of was the color purple. And so, you know, if your goal is to not be stressed out anymore, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in 2019, like you're going to get stressed out. That's the world that we live in, at least in America. And for me, like I fought that for a long time and, and I finally figured out you need to stop trying to not be stressed out. You need to figure out what you're going to do when you do get stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um and and the other thing I, I really think that helps is I I audit me. I don't audit, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm standing compared to everybody else. Yeah. And it's more than just, oh, you know, don't care about other people's opinion. Like I think caring about other people's opinion is somewhat important. But I think that you need to look at yourself through the lens of you know your story. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I heard a long time ago from a pastor to listen to is he said, you need to make sure you don't compare your behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. Hmm. Um, because like the one thing uh, that I follow on Instagram, Ross Simmons always says, just remember we're all winging it. Mm-hmm. And that's super true. So I just, you know, for me, the way I manage stress is to keep in mind that, you know, everybody's got stuff being thrown at them. Um, some people have it easier than others day to day, mm-hmm. but that can change in a minute. And the last thing that I do is something that Gary Vaynerchuk said a while back that has really stuck with me is you need to be able to look at things. It's not that you don't care. You should care immensely, mm-hmm. but you need to be able to quickly label something as a macro loss or a micro loss. And mm-hmm. a macro loss is you get a phone call that your immediate family member passed away mm-hmm. or you get a macro loss of you just got sent to prison for the rest of your life without parole. Those are macro losses. Pretty much anything else is micro, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, pretty much anything else, you know, it's not going to matter 10 years from now. And it's, so it's not worth causing horrific inflammation that may lead to a surgery. And I just keep that in mind. You know, I look at it and go, how important is this? That's some great, great advice, and I think, I think we all need to remember that probably daily. So tell me, you chose to go under the care of a naturopathic physician, is who's seeing you now. Mm-hmm. What kind of tips would you have if someone is listening and they're this is sparking in their minds? Hey, maybe I should go check out a naturopathic physician for my IBD. What kind of tips would you give someone on how to find one and choosing the right one? So the biggest thing that I would tell them is to check them out and see if they're licensed. Um, you know, I, again, like I'm not, a, I'm not against people that are holistic practitioners that aren't licensed. It's just a lot harder to be vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I always ask like, you know, check and see, like I, I always just ask, you know, Hey, I'm Dr. Such and such. Great. Yeah. So what state are you licensed in? Mm-hmm. They may not be licensed in the state they practice in to say, you know, they practice in, Kentucky. Well, they don't license naturopathic physicians, but if you are a naturopathic physician, you hold a license somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, I always ask like, Hey, where did you go to school? You know, what, you know, what state do you hold your licensure? And that's a quick way to screen and see, is this person, you know, an actual physician or what kind of training do they have? The other thing that I keep in mind, and I almost feel bad saying this, like I'm kind of, you know, committing treason against mm-hmm. my field is, um, just because somebody is an ND does not automatically mean you should put every trust and faith in them just, just as much as, you know, if you go see an MD, then you're supposed to think, oh, well, they're all about drugs and surgery. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Some of the best integrative medicine practitioners that I know are MDs and DOs. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I've met some naturopathic physicians. There's not many, but I've met a couple that I I wouldn't feel comfortable referring to. Right. And I, you know, I'm probably not supposed to say that, but it's just the truth. And so I always tell people like ask around, and you know, I say it frequently on social media. Um, I don't know a lot of MDs outside of Phoenix and my hometown, mm-hmm. but I do know a lot of naturopathic physicians because that's what I devote you know <laughs> most of my time to. So if you don't know, um, if you don't know of one and you don't feel comfortable, just reach out. Like I'll help you find one. I'm not affiliated with anybody. I don't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not getting a kickback. I just want to help people get better. And I can't give medical advice right now. So I feel like the the closest thing I can do that is make sure that they see somebody that's really, really good. Yeah, that's a great tip. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about your diet because you're currently following a plant-based diet. And I'm curious, yep. how did how's that helping you and how did you get to that path? Because IBD, we know that food is so different for every one of us. So I love to hear about yep. the different stories and the different journeys. So talk to me a little bit about that. So for me, plant-based, you know, currently, and this may change, you know, a month from now, but Mm -hmm. plant-based for me is what allows me to feel the best. It allows me to, you know, not have flare-ups right now. Um, I got really sick, not because of a Crohn's flare, but I got really sick because of um, some well-intentioned, but but not great treatment of a, a previous doctor. Um, a year or so, maybe a year and a half so ago now, and it took a lot to recover from um, before I got to the naturopathic position I'm with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up, I got where I couldn't process meat. I mean, I could eat the smallest amount of beef and would immediately, you know, become obscenely nauseous and get really sick. Wow. And so, um, you know, I just experimented with, you know, okay, so what can I digest? And for me, that was plant. That mm-hmm. was, you know, that was plant-based. That was, it was easy. You know, I wasn't eating a ton of kale, but I was eating, you know, potatoes and um, trying to think what I was eating back then, you know, potatoes and like some, some mock meat or, you know, some grains. And so I've slowly, slowly built back into, you know, okay, now I can eat carrots. I can eat bell peppers, you know, okay, I'm mm-hmm. not really quite ready for lettuce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it took over some months that I figured out, um, and I've experimented, you know, I've eaten a little bit of this or that that's not 100% vegan, and my body hasn't accepted it well. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's what I tell everybody, it's what you just said, everybody's different, you know, just because the thing that I love about naturopathic medicine is it's super individualized. Because you have Crohn's disease, all that tells me is you have, you know, transmural inflammation, Mm-hmm. lesions in your intestines you know that we can put that label on it mm-hmm. but that doesn't tell me you know what your background is you know whether or not you have anxiety what your family history is or what food your body functions on the best mm-hmm. um for me right now it's a plant-based diet like i said that may change but um i know from seeing your your instagram stuff like you you don't follow a 100 yeah. plant-based <laughs> diet because you found something that works better for you and that's that's amazing. That's that's what I want for everybody. Yeah. And that's why it's so interesting to me because, you know, the way you feel after a couple bites of ground beef or meat and and you know immediately that it's a bad decision and, and I'll eat a vegetable and it's <laughs> I I have that same feeling. So I think it's I think it's a, the important thing is for people with IBD to listen to those signals and maybe not fight your body on those signals. And if your body's telling you, I need to be plant-based, go plant-based. If your body's telling you, I need meat, eat meat. But I think learning to yep. listen to our body is, is key. And, and it can be hard to do, I think, when, when you're battling a chronic illness. Absolutely. So, so does it matter for you if the vegetables are cooked or if they're raw? Do you tolerate the raw vegetables? Um. I guess I'm a weird case. I actually tolerate raw vegetables better than I do cooked in the sense of, you know, I don't know if it's because they don't taste as good or what, mm-hmm. but um, I have to be really careful eating like steamed vegetables. Um, whereas if I, you know, raw stuff, it, it seemingly digests better. And I know that's not the norm, but that's just the way it is for me right now. Wow. 
So tell me about kind of in the past when you've flared, are there any tips that you have found that works from time to time to help you manage being in a flare and kind of taking care of yourself and finding a way out of that? Yeah. So I think, I think for me, and this has evolved over time because I I haven't had a big flare in a while, but I have learned for me that a big trigger of it is stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I kind of do a balancing act of um, when I don't try to fight it, you know, it's not that I was ashamed of it, um, mm-hmm. but like when I worked before medical school, I was a restaurant manager um, and I liked it. It was a fun job for me. I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the nature of the job. But whenever I would get in a flare, um, I would almost try to not necessarily hide it, but kind of just act like it wasn't happening mm-hmm. because I didn't want it to slow me down. And in reality, that usually caused me to suffer longer and for it to be more intense than if I had just, you know, called my boss who was really understanding and said, Hey, listen, like I'm in a flare. Like I need to be out for a couple of days and I probably would have gotten back to work and been, you know, a hundred percent sooner. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've learned not to fight it. You know, if I'm in a flare, accept that you're in a flare and do what it takes, you know, to get out of it. Another thing is, um, I immediately will take time and, or try to at least, and say, hey, like, I'm I'm out. You know, I'm not going to do anything that stresses me. I'm not going to do anything that's super exertive mm-hmm. um, until this is over. The other thing is I, I try not to um, have a pity party. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this, I don't know if I can explain this well, but it's a balancing act of saying, you know, I'm not going to ignore this. I have Crohn's disease. I'm currently experiencing symptoms. You know, this is real, and I need to accept that reality. At the same time, I need to realize this is a flare. It's not a death sentence. There's a people that go through this all the time. Um, and so while I am accepting this reality, uh, I'm not going to act like I'm a lost cause. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, so now that you haven't had a big flare in a while, do you find that fitness and doing heavy exertion, does anything kind of help or do you, does fitness or movement play a role for you in managing the IBD? So for me, I full transparency, I'm not doing a ton of fitness or or physical training right now. Um, And really for me, that's because, you know, by the time I get done with school and business stuff for the day, I'm pretty spent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't, you know, I have friends in medical school that somehow, you know, are superhumans and they still keep a regimented CrossFit regimen. We have a, oh, wow. you know, a, yeah, a nationally known CrossFit athlete in our class. I mean, there's people that do incredible stuff. They go run Ragnars and Ironmans and whatnot. Um, and that's just not me. Um, I enjoy fitness. You know, I enjoy a pickup game of basketball, mm-hmm. but I'm not somebody that has this super structured, you know, I wake up at five to go to the gym every day. Um, because that for me, what I have learned, I tried to do that first year and it didn't work because it just, you know, it made me run down and made me more susceptible to, to flare days. Yeah. I was um, going to say so that for, it would almost be the straw that breaks the camel's back for you when you're juggling so much right. other stress in your life that if you were to try to put something like a big, heavy workout regimen in there, it'd be too much. Yep. And so for me, you know, what I do is I, I'm somebody that goes par- or goes sympathetic very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very easily on edge. And so for me, um, I do try to work in being outside, especially when it's nice weather in Arizona. So mm-hmm. that means that may mean taking a walk or, you know, going up to the mountains for a day or, or whatever it takes to get away. And so for me, fitness doesn't play as much of a part right now as it does doing something that is anti-stress out in nature. Yeah. I think we underestimate how important it is to be outside, to just be doing simple movements, whether you're walking, hiking, or just being outside and getting the sunshine, feeling de-stressed, and taking a break from everything. I totally agree. So tell me a little bit about your social media and kind of advocacy because on your social media, you're starting to you, you use part of that as a way to 
advocate and share information about Crohn's. So what kind of compelled you to start sharing your story and being open about it? Um, I think for me is there's a lot of people I, I, you know, I'm not from Arizona, I'm from Georgia and there it's not like you're shunned, you know, if you have inflammatory bowel disease, but I come from a rural part of the state. Um, and it's the one thing that really struck a chord with me is I started seeing people on social media that talked about, you know, people would make the remark that, yeah, but you don't look sick or, well, you know, mm-hmm. you may have a disease, but, you know, you look really good and it almost downplays and it's a huge slap in the face. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it would be like telling a diabetic, wow, why, you know, I can't even tell that your sugar is high <laughs> right now. You know, why don't we go get some dessert? Right. You would never say that to a diabetic. Yeah. Um, and so to me, like, I think for me, I, I was never like made fun of or anything. My, I have really tight knit relationships with my brothers and they, you know, would have quickly gotten on to somebody had mm-hmm. I been criticized. So I never received like complete abuse because of my diagnosis, but just seeing the people and going, wow, I, I can't believe this is a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and for me, really what compelled me is there's a lot better options out there. You know, I, I see people on Instagram all the time and, and I want to reach out and go, Hey, naturopathic medicine is not magic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like we say a prayer out of you and all of a sudden your disease disappears. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to go, there's such a better way. Like, yeah. you know, I've seen it in the clinic. I've experienced it as a patient. You know, it doesn't have to be the way that you're experiencing right now. And for me, just, I guess the, the empathetic part of me is, you know, I didn't come to naturopathic school to become a billionaire. Nobody goes into naturopathic medicine to, to make crazy money. And if they do, they find out really quickly, that's a bad goal. <laughs> right. Um, but for me, I just, you know, it, it, it really hurts me to see um, the amount of stuff out there that, you know, it's not that people, I know people put up stuff on their, on their Instagram feed and people that don't have this disease or that may not be in the medical profession may go, yeah, great. Like, you know, I know they're all positive and stuff. Like, here's another post about their infusion. Or like, oh, yeah, I'm sure the colonoscopy prep is kind of a downer. But like, you know, I'm tired of hearing about, you know, your nausea. And and to me, I go, yeah. And they are, too. Like, yeah. the yeah. last thing they want to do is wake up to the bar and be nauseous again. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's just the empathy of knowing you know, I want to advocate for, I know of a better way to handle this and I want to help people get there because life is too short and it's way too long to have to live miserably. It is. And I think it's an important message you're spreading too. I mean, it's basically telling people that there are options. There's other things that maybe maybe haven't been considered or just things to try, but there's there's more out there. Yep, Exactly. So is there one thing that you've found over the years that you wish people knew about Crohn's and colitis, but they don't? Um, I think one thing, well, the thing that comes to mind is it is possible to, to get back to a normal life. I can't, you know, it would be absurd for me to make a claim that, you know, if you follow this protocol or if you see a naturopathic physician, mm-hmm. you know, that a year from now you'll be better I can't say anything to that, but I can say that um, Crohn's disease is by far not a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell people that you should take it seriously, that it's not, you know, IBD is not something to play around with. But at the same time, you know, if you are willing to do what it takes to find a qualified physician that really cares and is really competent, um, you know, your life can be a whole lot different a year from now. Mm-hmm. This disease certainly takes persistence and finding finding that right path for you. And I know it can be very, it's very frustrating at times because I know I've, I've felt it over the years. But just like you're saying, it takes that persistence and just the determination that I will find something. I just need to keep trying. And it, it can be frustrating, but you got to keep trying. Yep, Absolutely. What's the biggest challenge, and maybe you've already talked about it just in our conversation, but what's the biggest challenge you've faced since having Crohn's, and how did you get through it? 
I think the biggest challenge for me probably is stress. And we have talked some about that, but um, I think the biggest, the biggest obstacle for me was, you know, trying to keep in mind that um, I do have this condition and it's, I tried really, really hard to toe the line of, you know, I want to be identified as I'm someone that has Crohn's because I want to try to be a role model for, Mm -hmm. you know, I was, I have been in devastating circumstances and it's not that I'm some superhero. It's just because I have a really good doctor and I wasn't willing to give up, you know, you can, you can get to a point where you're able to attend medical school despite Mm -hmm. having Crohn's. And so I try to ride the line of being able to be labeled as I have Crohn's disease so that I can be that role model. But at the same time, make sure to put it out there that like Crohn's disease is something that I have. It is not who I am. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to be known as yeah, he's the guy that has Crohn's disease. Like, Hey, he's the guy that <laughs> is the doctor, despite the fact that he got that when he was 19. Yeah. And so for me, the biggest obstacle is, knowing that I have it and, and knowing on Sundays, it's like, Hey, you know, if you have not been eating as good as you can, or you've had a stressful week, you know, this other person that's super healthy and has, you know, crazy good genetics and a spotless family history, you know, that's a CrossFit athlete. Um, you may not be able to keep up with them in this 14 hour day. Um, but it's, a you know, so it's okay if you, if you work straight through for 11 hours mm-hmm. and you need to go home and somebody else stays for another three, that doesn't mean that you're a terrible person. That doesn't mean that you're a bad medical student. It means that you're tired and you need to go get rest. Yeah. And so the biggest thing for me was learning to, Hey, this is not something that, you know, you should label yourself as like you are a fully functioning human being that's capable of great things. But at the same time, you need to know that there are limits and that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just reality. I think that's great for everyone to remember. And I really, I really think it's wonderful what you're doing as a role model to show people that just as you were saying that this is part of me, but it's not all of me. It's not who I am. And I think that's a great distinction to make in that. So if thank you, thank if, you. If people want to keep up with your IBD journey and your journey through medical school and what you're doing, where can they follow you online? So probably the best place to follow me right now is on Instagram. Um, my handle is just Dane Sullivan. Um, that's where I do you know most of the advocacy and the stuff that I put out there. Um, I'm also on Snapchat, not as much, mm-hmm. um, and probably the best place to interact with me because Instagram's getting kind of busy. Mm-hmm. Probably the best place to interact with me, um, is on Twitter. Um, I'm a lot, a lot faster to respond on there. So mm-hmm. my handle's the same way. It's just at Dane Sullivan. Um, and that's probably the, the best way to get in touch with me right now. Perfect. I'll put those in the show notes so that people can link and find you easily. So Perfect. Is- Thank you. Is there anything that I didn't ask today that you want to share with the audience? Um, yeah, I, I probably would put a plug in. So mm-hmm. um, I'm actually in the middle of getting ready to launch a podcast with a colleague um, mm-hmm. that's going to focus on homeopathy. And I know that's something that, I mean, it's near and dear to me, but the reason that I'm starting it is because, you know, it's been really profound. It's been probably the number one thing medication wise that has kept me, um, you know, where I am stable and in remission. And so I, I would say that if nothing else, um, a lot of people know about naturopathic medicine now, but I, I wouldn't, I would be quick to tell somebody to not shy away from this. You know, you go to a qualified physician and say, Hey, we want to, you know, how do you feel about homeopathy? Um, coming from somebody that's experienced it and somebody that was a huge skeptic before, Mm -hmm. um, for whatever, there's a number of reasons that that the MD medical community is against it. Most of it is because of um, ignorance and because they care about their patients and they don't want to see anything happen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but homeopathy is the thing that has really helped me out. It's super effective. It's super cost effective because it's really cheap. Um, and it's something that, if you look back to the history of medicine, has been very, very stable. 
um, even though in America it's been particularly harshly. So mm-hmm. um, that's the one thing that we probably didn't talk about that's yeah. super important to me. Um, and, you know, in, in every case that I've heard of that people have gone to a naturopathic position and have used it for inflammatory bowel disease, um, it's worked wonders. Can't guarantee that it works for everybody, but everybody that I've known has seen amazing results with it. So I, I would just put a plug in for that to watch out for. Yes. And do you have an estimated start date for when the podcast will be coming out? Um, we're working, you know, as much as we can outside of school behind the scenes. So hopefully later this year, um, definitely by the end of the year, but hopefully later this year, probably late spring, early summer, um, we're going to try to be rolling out episodes. So um, definitely look out for it. We're going to be presenting a lot of research and interviews with people that are for and against it. You know, we don't want to just be the poster mm-hmm. child for homeopathy, but we want to take a really good look at it um, so that people can, you know, when they choose to try it, that they're really informed about it. That's going to be a fantastic podcast to have. I'll definitely, I'll be keeping an eye out for it. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Do you have a name of what it's going to be if people want to put it on their radar to think about it? Or should they just search for you kind of later on in the year and keep up with your, your Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, so we don't have an official name for it on the books yet. We're throwing a couple of things around. Um, the best thing to do, yeah, is if you if you keep up with me on social media, um, that'll probably be the place that we announce it first anyway. Um, so, you know, as we get closer, I'll definitely be putting out stuff for it. So, yeah, if you just keep up with me, then then you'll be sure not to miss it. Fantastic. I'll do that. And once it is, I'll share it on my channels as well and help get it out there. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Well, well, thank you. That wraps up the interview for today. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I feel like this is really valuable information that you've been able to share today just with different information about naturopathic medicine and tips for finding a doctor, tips for how you've managed your disease. So thank you very much for coming on and talking with me. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.